You've found a show that will explore how to experience a kingdom lifestyle that is both focused and balanced. Welcome to Live Exceptionally. In a world where we are constantly bombarded with demands on our time and attention, it can be difficult to find the space to truly live our best lives. But what if we could find a way to live exceptionally with a sense of purpose, freedom, and rest? Whether you're a busy professional, a stay-at-home parent, or anyone who wants to live a more focused and balanced life, this show is for you. Join us as we discover how to live exceptionally, finding freedom and rest along the way. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Welcome back to Live Exceptionally, where we equip people with keys and tools to experience a kingdom lifestyle that is purposeful, focused, and balanced. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, or share on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. And stay connected with us at elisi.org. Stay connected to know about events, inspirational media, and more. Well, I'm excited about this week's episode where we speak with Valerie Cunningham. This is part two of our series on mental health stigmas. Listen in as we conclude this awesome discussion with Valerie Cunningham, CEO and founder of the Synergy Health Center in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You know, um, Dr. Yvonne, I think when we talk about this, it, it really is talking about a whole paradigm shift in how we've done ministry. And, you know, in past, ministry has been like a one-person focus. Um, that, that one person, we go to that one person, and that one person has all the answers for everybody in the ministry. Well, I really believe God is calling us to a multiplicity of ministry, right? And multiplicity of ministry means that you know all of us that have different giftings whether in the church or outside of the church those giftings empower the body to be whole and healthy like you said your cpa and your ministry is married they merge together my social work and mental health and ministry it marries and so god didn't create us to take our corporate giftings and put it over here and forget about ministry but how do we bring all of the gifts to the table and create a, a, a wealthy, strong body of Christ versus a weak body of Christ because we're not incorporating and embracing all the gifts that God has given. Amen. When you said that, the thought that came to my mind is the kaleidoscope. A kaleidoscope of giftings, skills, and talents. And that the kaleidoscope, you know, it's normally different colors. And so if we're coming together as a kaleidoscope in the body, that it's beautiful when we're all like different colors, different giftings, but together it makes beautiful patterns, Mm -hmm. uh, different, uh, uh, beautiful um, ideas and creativity that comes together uh, to make, to advance the the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. It is beautiful and it's needed. And I think that is the trajectory that, that the Holy Spirit has us on is, it's no longer the world is out there and the church is in here. It is his word says he came to um, to save the world. And this is a part of that trajectory of us stepping outside of our normal thinking about ministry and marketplace and seeing how God has really um, caused us to walk in the fullness of what he's what he's designed for us. 
Amen. That is so good. What do you think are some of the key stigmas that you and or your center encounter by people and or organizations of faith? We've talked about some of them, but are there any other ones that come to mind that are that you encounter and that you all are trying to address? Yeah, we you know, one of the things that we encounter is um, especially from different people is um, there's nothing wrong with. And, and I, I think we've been working on changing our terminology because that has been a huge stigma, especially with different cultures who said, I'm not crazy. And mental health support or mental health services is not about anybody being crazy, but it's about there's a sickness that's happening within you that needs some healing. And so one of those stigmas is, is shame attached to needing mental health services. So we try to make sure that there is no shame attached to the services that we're providing. And we try to normalize that this, this happens to people. So you're okay to have these thoughts, these feelings, let's help you navigate and move through those. Another thing that we have found to be um, a challenge is uh, generational issues that have uh, families thoughts generationally about mental health and mental health services that it's not needed, that we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, that um, if you get help, that you are weak. And so those are some some stigmas and some mind shifts that we're trying to help because historically we have not been um, encouraged to engage in helping ourselves when we're feeling bad or depressed. We have said we'll get over it. One of the things I always say is what happens when you wake up one day and you didn't get over it and the next day you didn't get over it. Those are some things that are telltale signs that um, I'm having some challenges. So that shame and guilt attached, you know, that we can do it by ourselves is a stigma. Another thing is that we can't trust those people, right? And so trust is a huge issue in the mental health world. And so finding people that understand your culture or finding people that you can relate to and building those relationships will help break those stigmas of people not understanding you. You can't trust them, that there's shame attached to it, that you can do it alone. We want to break those stigmas off of mental health and realize that God created people and put them in position for them to bring healing to us, especially when it comes to our mind health. Uh, when we can't function, um, when we can't get out of the bed or brush our teeth or uh, make it through the day, then we need to get someone who can help undergird us and walk us through those hard places so that we can be healthier again. So we just, we need to break those stigmas and the shame attached to it. Uh, that is powerful. You know, when you, I was thinking about stigmas, the concept of shame didn't even come to mind, but that is definitely something. Do you think shame and pride are connected? Like, what's the difference? And I hope I'm not putting you on the spot to define this, but what do you think is the difference between someone being ashamed to seek assistance or someone who is just, there's too much pride? Um, this is my own interpretation my own definitions. So when I think about shame, I think of external, like what are other people going to think about me if I do this? And um, so shame keeps people 
from doing what they need to do because they're concerned about other people and what they may think of them. That's my, that's my thought. When I think about pride, I think of internal. Mm -hmm. I don't need this. This is not for me. I can do this by myself. I um, don't need any help. So I think the two, when I think about the two, I think one of them shame from external viewpoint of what people think and pride from internal uh, viewpoint of, I don't need this. I could do it by myself. A more self um, sufficient kind of mm -hmm. behavior. And so I don't think they are two in the same. I think they, that, that they both can hinder someone from getting the proper help that they need. Right, yeah. And then you also talked about like generational issues and culture. You know, I think we underappreciate culture because when we look at whether a person, you know, people, especially in this day with so much division and all this kind of stuff, everyone, want, everyone wants to make everyone, everyone, like we're all the same. But at the end of the day, there are distinctive things that are a part of everyone's culture. So whether and, and ethnicity, and this does not mean we're trying to divide, it's just a fact of life. You know, um, whether you are Latino, Caucasian, Black, there's distinctive things that are part of culture that can impact. My, my uh, background, there's people, my family is uh, West Indian. You know, there's things specific to the West Indian culture distinctive from African-American, you know, and I, and I think that uh, I and I remember different examples like growing up and even working where my how I process things or how I approach something was different from someone else. And then when it was discussed, it came because of the lens of my culture. Culture is a huge role in how we all navigate the spaces of mental health. And so when we talk historically about um, Black culture, and I'm just using that because that's the culture that I know the most about. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> um, so we think about historically from a Black culture perspective, Blacks were not even considered citizens of this nation until 405 years ago. And so when we talk about longevity of time and uh, if I was, I was thought of property and I was thought of as not insignificant, then to, to, to gradually get to that point of seeing the value in my, not just my physical health, but to begin to see the value in me being healthy altogether is, now having generational impact because we have to now teach the generations that your mental health is important. Whereas before we've seen our parents struggle with depression, couldn't get out of bed. We've seen our parents um, have different things that happen, or we've seen family members that have bipolar, you know, they're up one minute and spontaneous, and then they're, they're depressed and they're suicidal. So we've seen these things in our family lines, but we've, refuse to address them out of the fear and out of the, the shame and the stigma attached to it that this shouldn't be happening in our culture. Our culture doesn't experience these kind of things. And when you add those layers of um, oppression onto race or culture, then that's a whole nother level 
of layers. It's not just the mental health piece, but you got to get through the cultural piece. You got to get through the history piece. And so then you have to like, it's like peeling an onion. You have to peel layer by layer by layer just to get to the heart of the matter um, so that healing and um, health can take place. And so we really have to really rethink how we have um, created these disparities in how we approach mental health and how we approach it from the church and the world, that, there, that we have to take all of those historical factors and put them in place when we think, oh, you will just be okay. Well, that hasn't historically happened. So how do we make it happen now? I think it's also important that as believers, all believers of every ethnicity and every culture in the body of Christ, that we be open, be mm -hmm. open to listen. And I think that has been a part of the challenge is that we are stuck in a core mindset of our belief system based on our culture and our filters, our perceptions, mm -hmm. and we're not open. And being open is being open based on the word of God. Like, what does the word say? Mm -hmm. And in that, if we could move away from just, this is what I believe, this is what I feel, this is how it should be, and start with the premise of the word as our foundation, then it would, to me, facilitate more opportunity for conversations about these aspects that impact and are impacting where we are today, even as the church and, and society. I, I agree with that. I, I think that when we come together and we address that we all need to come together on this issue, regardless of culture, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, that we're all, um, uh, there's a word that I was looking for, we all have the the life happens to the point that we all can be impacted in our mental health and the difference is how we respond and how we've been equipped to respond i was going to say disposition was the word there's a disposition for anybody to experience mental health but based on your background based on your resources based around your understanding will determine how well you respond or not respond to your own mental health needs. Amen. What What are the things uh, that the center are doing around breaking down these stigmas? I mean, you talked about you have people on staff who are trained in inner healing. Um, are there other things that your the Synergy Health Center is is doing? So the Synergy Health Center is um, having conversations all the time around mental health. So a few things that we've done over the past four to five years is we started a event called Breaking the Stigma of African-American Mental Health Symposium. It is a one day conference that really helps to educate um, professionals, direct care workers, clergy, residents, really help to uh, address those issues about black mental health that has somehow impacted them and to educate. I, I think that we have to educate, educate, educate on how do we deal with it? How do we now work with each other to manage these spaces? Or what changes do we need to make to improve the conditions of people's mental health? So that's one of the things that we've done. Another thing that we've done is we've had conversations. It's called Let's Talk Black Mental Health. And I think that having those conversations, like you said, Dr. Yvonne, 
if we don't have the conversations, we don't even know what the problems are. We don't know what the challenges are. So we have those continued conversations. We also have recently, um, based on a some research that I have done on racial disparities, and racial disparities is where there is systematic and disproportionate outcomes of one race over another. And those racial disparities can be found in healthcare, in finances, in education, in um, a lot of different systems that there are disparities because it is a systematic problem that is creating different kinds of outcomes for different people, uh, especially people of color. And so one of the things based on this research that I found is that it was difficult to find um, people of color or culturally competent um, therapists or physicians to provide the services that they were looking for. So out of that, I am working on implementing a network and it's called Black Wellness Network. And it's for black and brown people in particular because that is where the lack is and that's where the need is. And the purpose of Black Wellness Network is to bridge the gap in, in services, to um, break the stigmas attached to mental health, and to build stronger Black and brown communities. And so we feel like if we can get people from the wellness arena, which are um, massage therapists, nutritionists, um, life coaches, well, uh, rest coaches, um, doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, anybody in the wellness arena, if we can come together collectively as one body, right, versus having to go to individuals, uh, we can we can find the resources that we need. So we can find what we're looking for. We can find the expertises that we're looking for. And this would be a referral stream that we can, as a community, uh, and the foundation may be in Kalamazoo, but we're looking for that to extend to all of the states um, within our nation so that it is um, a corporate way of finding resources that will meet the needs of your culture. Yes, you know, I, I think that that is a wonderful um, opportunity that you're pushing forward. I've actually attended the Breaking the Stigma workshop. It was in Kalamazoo, right? It was last year. And I, it was a powerful day, a day well worth spent. I learned so much. And one thing that I do like that you preface this new project, it's not a project, this organization that you're developing, you prefaced it by saying it's founded on research. You didn't just go on a whim saying this is something I want to do, but you spent time and from your background as a CEO and founder of the Synergy Health Center, uh, these are things that you have become aware of and then you dig further in it and then you've noticed these disparities. Mm -hmm. It's based on data. It's based on facts. Okay. And a lot of times some of the things that we're hearing, you know, people are just, you know, just talking about stuff and I don't know if it's really based on facts. And so I appreciate the fact that you are, you have identified a need and you're trying to meet a need based on data, based on facts. And so based on that, I, I think that that is, is awesome and hopefully will, because of the day we're living in, squash some of the rhetoric around why do you have to have a black wellness network? Why can't it be, I don't know, an Asian wellness network? Well, they probably, you know, if not, they, those cultures, other cultures, they might need a specific focus for them as well based on identified needs. Um, 
based on facts or things that have been discovered, but this is something that you have discovered. Yeah. It was a, a year-long research project discovery, and this is based on 303 surveys that we did. And of those 303 surveys, 209 of them were from um, Black people or people of color. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the things that they shared with was that need. And, you know, one of those needs was, you know, we need people, only 17% of the providers that were providing services were people of color. That's, that's, a, that's a huge disparity. And then when I talked to organizations within the community, a lot of organizations did not know where to even look to find the support that they needed for their clients, uh, African-American or brown clients, because they didn't know where do we find a pool of black professionals, black and brown professionals that can meet the needs of our clients. So Black Wellness Network is really um, to meet needs in communities that they don't know where to look. They don't know where the resources are and to really bridge that gap for us. And there are gaps um, and we want to reduce access. We want to reduce um, the barriers to service and we want to increase access to service. And one of the ways that we do that is through this a Black Wellness Network. We also want to break the stigma. We want to break the distrust. We want to break um, the lack of participation in services because of the shame attached to it. And sometimes when you can see someone across the room or across the table that looks like you and who understands um, the cultural dynamic and the, the cultural innuendos, then it's easier to engage in those conversations and stay engaged for longer term, healthier care versus encountering someone who doesn't understand you, who you have to explain everything, and then you're frustrated and you don't get the help that you need. Awesome. Uh, I think this is a, a wonderful movement that you are pushing forward in and definitely uh, wish you all the best prayers uh, in regards to that because it is uh, well needed. What, what do you think that um, ministries and spiritual leaders like you've You've talked about what you and the Health Synergy Health Center and your network now that you've started will focus on. What do you think in the interim ministries and leaders in the church can do um, as it relates to increasing awareness around these issues? I think that's a great question, Dr. Yvonne. And one of the things that, that we've been doing here is working with the clergy, working with senior leaders on how do we do this as a community? And one of the uh, churches here invited me in. I think the conversations, I'm always gonna go back to the conversations and education. And so they invited me in to have the conversation with their congregation to increase the congregation's awareness. Sometimes our congregations are in their own world and they're not even aware of all of those things that could benefit them. So I think as senior leaders and senior pastors and visionaries, we have to be aware of what's going on in the world around us and not to be afraid to invite those people that are equipped to have the conversation with your congregation to, to allow them into those spaces, especially if you know that they understand the spiritual components as well as the natural components. Because I, I, sometimes I think those could be a fear that you're going to convince them or say something that's not spiritually or doctrinally correct. I think that as senior leaders, as you interview, have conversations, network, engage in conversations, 
with the mental health field, I'm just using the mental health field as, as, right. as our conversation, that you bring those people in to increase the awareness, to increase the conversations. And then collectively, those mental health professionals and those clergy can have conversations on what's needed in our church. And one of the, the breaking the stigma of the intersection of faith and mental health we did at a church on a Sunday morning and we did workshops that talked about um, some of the trauma. Are you troubled or are you traumatized? Is it a mood or is it mental health? Um, You know, it's some of those conversations that we're having within the church settings. And so we believe that if we can partner with churches on these conversations, it will create greater awareness within the church and when you impact the church, you've impacted the community. That's good. That's so good. What do you think individuals can do as we begin to uh, wrap up? What what can in- individuals do? Individuals, um, individuals who are struggling, they can begin to have some conversation. Like just, it could even be a process conversation. It doesn't have to be like, I need help, but maybe it is finding a safe place. I think that's the first thing is finding the safe space and a, a safe place to have the conversation, to have the dialogue, to, you know, look at the right person who who is trustworthy and has some level of knowledge that can give you some direction. So I think that, that um, recognizing that I may need to talk to somebody and then putting that first step into place. It could be a phone call. It could be a Google um, um, organization. It could be reaching out to somebody that you know who knows somebody. I think those are the things that we can do. And when somebody says to you they're struggling, don't minimize their struggle. Yeah. No, don't say, oh my God, you just, you know, you'll be okay. Really listen to people. You know, COVID really opened up a lot of mental health things, especially when we were isolated and when we were alone and we had to sit with ourselves. I think that was a hard place for people. Right. And I think when we sit with ourselves, we begin to realize who we are and then we can identify those areas of help. So I would say don't let um, shame or pride keep you from seeking help when you really need it. I think that's so good. And, And even in that regard, that mental health is not related to is if something is wrong with you all the time. It's just having mental wellness, just being well. The same way that we exercise or try to eat right, watch our diet, it's the same discipline and skill that we're talking about around our mental capacity, our mental capacity and just being well overall, not just spiritually, but in our mind and our emotions. And how would you blend the spiritual disciplines with the mental health awareness and solutions that we've been talking about for those who might be listening? You know, I think it's really important to blend them. Uh, prayer is my go-to. So, you know, we talk about blending them. We're not talking about, like I said, it's, it's the integrating. When we pray, you know, when Jesus was praying in the garden, he was agonizing. He was, he was going through some difficult times that he didn't want to, but his prayer helped him through those places. You know, we've historically said, well, just pray and it'll be okay. Well, praying alone doesn't always resolve the problem. Right. You know, go on the altar, throw yourself on the altar. And then when we get up off the altar and we leave the church and we go home, we still have the same emotional feeling. So how do we take prayer, which is very powerful, and and the Holy Spirit who guides us 
and listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, there's some things that the Holy Spirit said to me when I was had physical illness. He said, you know, go see the chiropractor. I was like, oh no, Lord, the chiropractor. I can't go see a chiropractor. So the Holy Spirit was leading me. I was I was so ignorant that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord sent someone who worked for a chiropractor who gave me a coupon that says, this is my chiropractor's ministry. And I think that's the word that I needed to hear when, mm-hmm. was that it was their ministry. And then I went, I think people need to, to know that when we do mental health counseling or provide mental health services, it is ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can see that the work that we're doing, the mind work, which is to, to it's the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, if my mind is sick, I can't necessarily have the mind of Christ. So I need to pray and I need to get ministry and to help with my mind wealth and my mind health. That's so good. So good. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. What would you like to share as your closing thoughts or even a prayer if you'd like? Thank you. My, my closing thoughts would be don't let the dictations of the past um, perceptions and the past views of mental health uh, deter you from um, getting a better understanding of your own mental health and the impact that it can have on your, your overall life. Um, God created doctors. God created therapists counselors, people that can help us to be well and be healthy. And so if you don't mind, Dr. Yvonne, I will close out with prayer. So Father, we thank you that you, um, we are created fearfully and wonderfully. We thank you that you know all of our issues, all of our disappointments, all of our hopes, all of our dreams. You know everything about us. And so God, I know that in those distressing places, you know, the the word says, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard my cry and he came down from me. And so, Father, we thank you that as we're talking about the, the intersection of faith and mental health and the integration of faith and mental health, our belief along with the natural components, God, that you're able to bring complete healing in those areas and open us up to conversations that we may never have had because of fear, guilt, or shame, or even pride. We thank you that those things that have hindered us in the past, that they will no longer be a hindrance into our future purposes. God, that your future for us is one that you would have us to be strong and healthy. And so we embrace all of the the gifts that you have given to the body, even the ones that we have not um, naturally been inclined to go to that we would open ourselves up to see all that you would have for us. And we thank you for Dr. Yvonne, and we thank you for the conversation around mental health and mental wellness in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. It's been a definite pleasure having you here. I definitely will have to have you back (laughs) in the future, Um, but blessings on the the Wellness Network you've started. And um, I'm looking forward to being a part of that as well. Well, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Um, This is my area of passion and I continue to do a lot of work in this area to make sure that we're meeting the needs of a historically undeserved group of people and making sure that they're strong and healthy um, future going forward. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
Well, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode. Uh, Tune in next week for another episode of Live Exceptionally. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share with others on YouTube or your preferred uh, podcast platform. And stay connected with us at elisi.org. Have an exceptional week. God bless. Thanks for joining us for Live Exceptionally with Dr. Yvonne Thompson. Each week, we'll explore the secrets to living a life that is both intentional and fulfilling. We'll talk to folks that will share about productivity, mindfulness, and self-care to learn practical tips and strategies for staying focused, managing our time, and finding balance within a kingdom mindset. We'll also hear from people who have made the choice to live exceptionally and learn from their experiences and insights. Connect with Dr. Yvonne by signing up at elici.org. That's E-L-I-C-I dot org. Until next time, we're praying that you find balance and rest so you can live exceptionally.